0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620.
1: And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So what's going on? Oh, oh yeah, we had this thing called an election yesterday. First of all, I, I, I want, for the last four years... I have been publicly eating crow, because I I understand I did not see President Trump winning in 2016, and anytime we talked about election predictions, many of you would always feel comfortable pointing that out to me, thank you very much. Also, I I mean, I I acknowledge it, I was like many of the pundits that got it wrong. I, I will say that based on what we are seeing yesterday, And and what's going on today, I I believe I have redeemed myself. If you go back and listen to the commentary, I first of all, we're going to talk about all the polls. I did not think this was going to be a landslide. And I said so. I said that I thought Joe Biden would probably eke out a close win and it looks like and we'll discuss this in a little more detail i know it's not what some people want to hear but it looks like that is going to be the case a close win i predicted that there would not be any blue wave at all and as a matter of fact you know i, I saw republican voters coming home in in large numbers and that is precisely what happened when we talk about no blue wave it, it really is incredible especially if you looked at the earlier polls let's put aside the presidential race for a minute everybody Everybody thought that the Democrats were going to pick up seats in the House of Representatives, that there would be long coattails with Joe Biden. In fact, that did not happen. And it looks like they might have lost as many as five seats in Congress. Now, Democrats still have a majority and Nancy Pelosi will still be Speaker of the House. But any hope that they had of of extending their majority did, did not happen at all. Interestingly, a local note is Donna Shalala, you know, the former chancellor at UW-Madison. She was a first-term congresswoman in South Florida. She uh, she lost last night, uh, was one of the Democrats who lost their bid for re-election. So Donna Shalala ends up losing. The Republicans pick up about five seats in Congress. Still not a majority, but I think it surprised a lot of people. Earlier on, they were thinking, gee, maybe the Democrats are going to pick up another five, ten seats. Did not happen. In addition... The Democrats thought that they would be able to take control of the u s Senate, and it does not appear that that is happening as it stands right now going into the night it was fifty three forty seven republican um, versus Democrat and independents, and Bernie Sanders is technically independent, but he, he, um, he he's part of the Democratic uh, Party conference. So, 53 they needed to swing four votes, or actually three, if Joe Biden ended up winning, because then you'd have the vice president who would be able to break the ties. That does not appear to have happened. As it stands right now... In, in called races, and I, I say that because that th- for some reason some of the networks have been very, very reluctant to make what it seems to me are obvious calls. But right now it's 46 to 46. Um, there's six seats up for grabs, but here's the deal. There's a guy in Alaska, the Republican running, he's ahead 63 to 31. His name is Sullivan. He's going to win. So that's one seat for the Republicans. Susan Collins in Maine, she's ahead 51 to 42. She is going to win. The Democrats thought she was going to get knocked off. That did not happen. So that's two seats that puts us up to 48. Uh, Purdue in Georgia with 94% of the vote in, he's ahead by about four points. He is in all likelihood going to win. The only thing that would screw that up would be if if somehow he dropped below 50% and there'd have to be a runoff, in which case he'd win. But he's gonna pick that seat up. That's three, that takes you to 50 right there. Um, in North Carolina, Tillis, the Republican incumbent who was viewed as as being very, very vulnerable, he's ahead by 100,000 votes, uh, about two point two percentage points ahead, 100,000 votes, 93% of the vote in. I think Tillis is going to win. That's 51. In addition, there's another Georgia seat that's going to go to a runoff, but that's a heavily Republican state. The Republican um, is going to win that one, but probably not until January. So that's gonna be five. And then you've got the race in Michigan where the Republican um, James is, is still leading. He's up by about 25,000 votes with 96% of the vote in. That That one might be too close to call, but one way or the other, it looks like Republicans are gonna end up with best guess 52 seats, absolute worst case scenario, 51, um, you know, and and very possible 53, um, very possible just just 53. So there, there was not a blue wave at all when that occurred in Wisconsin. No, you know, we were hearing all sorts of talk about blue wave did not happen at all, despite getting outspent two to one. And this is this is one of the most staggering stories about what happened in Wisconsin. You had the Democrats that were flush with money. I mean, I have never seen spending like you saw on, on on these various races. You had assembly races where there was over or close to a million dollars put into the race in an effort to try to, I don't know, take out Robin Voss that they spent about a million bucks in trying to defeat Robin Voss. Okay, two years ago, he won sixty forty this year after having about a million dollars spent against him he wins 58-42 i mean it's just it, it was amazing how much money was thrown around and at the end of the day after tens of millions of dollars being spent that the composition of the state assembly it went from 63 republicans and 38 democrats to 61 republicans and um 39 democrats so i mean it, it it's just Okay. Look at all that money. The state Senate, again, millions and millions of dollars put into various races. Um, most of it launched against Republican candidates. Going into the night, it was 1914, 19 st- uh, Republicans, 14 Democrats. At the end of the night, the Republicans, despite being outspent, like two to one, they actually picked up two seats in the Senate. So the Senate is, what, 21 to 12? The Assembly, 61 to 38. So you, you've got, again, an era of divided government that continues. But if you want to talk about, I, I'm not going to describe like the Democratic consultants as being losers, because that's not the case. They made a fortune. They made an absolute fortune. The losers were the people who decided to give money to people with the idea that it was going to be used tilting at windmills and trying to win a bunch of of these seats. And I guess I wonder next time, two years from now, if you're, I don't know, a Democrat fundraiser, and you go around to some of these big donors and you say, hey, I'd like you, we're going to go after, we're going after Robin Voss, or we're going to run um, after some assembly candidates, or we're going after this state senate candidate or whatever. Will you write me a check for $50,000? Or will you donate $100,000 to this political action committee? My My first question would be, well, what are you going to do differently this year that you did in 2020 when I gave you all this money and you absolutely, completely peed it away? Epic fail. So to the extent that there was a blue wave where people were predicting a blue wave, either nationally or on the state level, it did not materialize, which tells me that, first of all, Republicans did come home, and secondly, that, that President Trump, win lose or draw has larger coattails than than anybody anybody thought because the thinking was president trump is going to get drubbed he's going to get beaten big and he's going to take all these republicans down with him that did not happen trump outperformed the polls on so many different levels and on top of that um that i think helped republican candidates to go on and win so i i Look, I understand the way it looks now. Joe Biden is going to be the next president of the United States. But on top of that, what you're going to have is you're going to have the Democrats that control the House of Representatives. You're going to have the Republicans that control the U.S. Senate. And again, I don't know if it's going to be 51 or 52 or 53. But as I've been saying for the last week or so, in some respects, that might be the best news at all for Joe Biden if Joe Biden becomes president. Why are you saying that, Jeff? Well, it's simple. I believe that Joe Biden is at his heart. He's sort of a a center-left Democrat. He's certainly not an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders. If the Democrats controlled the U.S. Senate and the House, I think Biden would have incredible pressure put on him to move very, very far to the left, now, with the Republicans controlling the U.S. Senate, that, that's going to be the check on that. You're not going to have a Green New Deal because you're not going to be able to get it through the, the Senate. You're not going to have massive tax increases because you're not going to be able to get it through the, the Senate. You are going to have I, – I think everybody wants – Everybody wants us to govern. Everybody recognizes that there's things that need to be done, but it's not going to be unchecked with one party in complete control. And candidly, I think that might be one of the best things in the world for Joe Biden because... If you went too far to the left, if you did some of the crazy stuff that I think some of the people in his party were talking about, um, I I think you'd be looking at an electoral debacle two years from now because I continue to believe that this is a center-right country. By having divided government, what you assure is that you're not going to have radical shifts. And candidly, that might not be the worst thing in the world. The stock market... Today, kind of reflecting that. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 684 points. The NASDAQ up 450. That's uh, a 4% increase. And, and that's factoring in the likelihood that Joe Biden is going to be the next president. The likelihood that Republicans are going to control the U.S. Senate. And the likelihood that the Democrats are going to control the House of Representatives. I think it's kind of a recognition that, all right, n- nothing too crazy is going to happen. And I hope I don't have to eat those words somewhere along the line over the course of the next four years if these results do, in fact, hold. All right, when we come back, I swear this time, hand in the air, I have learned my lesson. I promise there's one thing I'm never, ever, 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 did I say ever, ever, going to do again. I will share that with you and we will discuss. Stick around.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Man, some people cannot get enough. I I got a half dozen texts from people. Oh, the only reason the Republicans won in the state was it was gerrymandered, to which I'd say, don't be a sore loser. looks like your guy won for the president. This, Oh, it's gerrymandered. They, they couldn't win with these districts. Ah, well, it, you, you spend all this money. You have a two-for-one thing. I, I understand that some people want to hold on to that thought. Here is the reality check for people who complain about gerrymandering, and the districts are drawn so that they're not competitive. Bottom line is, in Wisconsin, For whatever reason, people tend to cluster together, in many respects, based on political preferences. That's why the state of Wisconsin, geographically, is overwhelmingly Republican. But... You have enclaves of Democratic voters, Dane County being one, um, city of Milwaukee being another. There, there's a couple others, but it's people voluntarily making the choices to live there. The only that's and I, so I always love this conversation about gerrymandering, I, I guess if you wanted more competitive districts, you could redraw them into like really, really weird shapes. So you, you take the city of Milwaukee and try to reach it out into Waukesha County. But then, of course, you're going to have issues with, are you disenfranchised? You know, persons of color and things like that. This whole gerrymandering thing has been nothing but an excuse for Democrat failures over the last decade. Sorry if you don't like to hear that, but I believe that's the case. So uh, again, part of the thing is don't be a sore loser. I mean, if if you supported President Trump, and we're going to talk about this later on, don't, don't be a sore loser if it turns out that that's the way the numbers go. If, you know, you're a Democrat and you're upset that you couldn't take control of the U.S. Senate and you lost seats in Congress and you couldn't do anything in the state of Wisconsin, don't be a sore loser. That that's just it's what it is. This was not a wave election and and this was an election that shows, I think candidly, how divided the country maintained It, it really is, and how close things really are. So Don't be a sore loser. If you're a Democrat, you won. Biden's in all likelihood going to be the next president. I know some people don't want to hear it, but that's probably the reality. And, you know, you're going to have to deal with a Republican Senate. And in Wisconsin, you're going to have to deal with an overwhelmingly Republican legislature. Just get over it. Just, you know, don't whine about it. Don't be a sore loser. All right. I swear, hand in the air. I will never, ever, ever do this. I have been saying this for various elections going back... Well, probably, okay, the last time that Ron Johnson ran, it was 2014, and I remember we had all these polls that were saying, it was 2016, you had all these polls that were saying that that Ron Johnson was going to lose. It just had no chance of winning. Same thing happened in 2010. The polls were completely wrong. If you look at what happened last night, they blew it again. And it's just, it is staggering to me how wrong the polls were once uh, again. It, I, I remember, like, doing the poll check, you know, looking a couple days before the race, and uh, and it was told that, okay, Trump was going to lose all these different states. He was going to probably lose Florida. He was going to lose Pennsylvania. He was going to lose Georgia. He was going to lose North Carolina. He was going to lose all these various states, and he was going to lose them big. Now, look, I I think at the end of the day, he wins Georgia, he wins North Carolina. I think he wins Pennsylvania. I think he probably loses Michigan, probably loses Wisconsin and loses Arizona. All right. And that's that's Biden's recipe for 270. But there were there were pollsters who were seriously predicting that they thought that Biden was going to get. I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 330 plus electoral votes, that this was going to be a landslide, that Biden was going to win Florida. That this was going to all be over by eight o'clock at night. And and it just flat out did not happen. There were pollsters that said, well, we, we think Trump might be in danger in Texas. No, there were pollsters that said, well, we think Ohio might be a toss up. No, it, it wasn't. The polls were in big fashions wrong in Wisconsin. The Marquette University Law School poll, which we always talk about as being the the gold standard, once again, they were wrong. Now, I mean, I don't know what the final count is going to be, but right now it's a a 20,000-vote margin, so that's less than 1% out of over 3.2 million votes cast. The Marquette University Law School poll has consistently, for the last several months, been saying it's four, it's five, it's six points. What, a week and a half before the election you had, was at the ABC News Washington Post poll that came out, showed it a 17-point spread. Biden was going to win 57 to 40 percent. I went on the air and said, that's a bogus poll. And several of you sent me hostile emails saying, well, how can you say it's junk science? My response was, oh, I just, I've been around Wisconsin long enough to know that, you know, it, it's not a 17-point spread. And guess what? I was right. The pollsters were wrong. Once again, another year, another example of the pollsters, whether it's an inability to sample people, whether it's a problem in assessing turnout, whether it's people lying to the pollsters. I don't know. But I am now convinced that these polls are not worth the paper that they are printed on. And any pollster taking money to do this job is participating in nothing but voodoo and essentially Um just complete and total junk science. And I swear, moving forward, until we go through multiple election cycles where the polls convince me that they can get stuff right, I am never going to take any of them, any of them seriously again. Big losers of the night, besides Democrat contributors who hope to swing the Senate or in the state of Wisconsin, the Assembly and the Senate, uh, the, the pollsters who I just don't think can get it right at all. Will you ever trust polls again? Should we ever trust polls again? 855-616-1620. We discuss.
0: Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Boy, just another horrible night for pollsters Um, 538, which is one of the national gold standards, showed Biden ahead on average by more than eight points across the U S. Um, that did not happen at all. If you look at the way they were trying to predict Wisconsin, most of the polls, Wisconsin got it very, very wrong, got it very, very wrong in Michigan. It appears they got it wrong in Pennsylvania. It was just another debacle for polling. And I guess, I, 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 I'm I willing to accept the fact that I've always been kind of defending this, saying, well, there's kind of a science. Well, now I'm convinced they just don't have a clue as to what they're doing. And, and it might be because of cell phones. It might be because of people lie to pollsters. It might. I don't know what it is. But all I know is that this as far as a science, I will never, ever, ever again trust polling. Um John and Sheboygan, John, you're on WTMJ.
2: Hey Jeff, thanks for taking the call. Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree. I'm done with polls. I think uh, one of the things I'm amazed at with these polls is, for instance, there's a uh, headline on MSNbc today that says, "Pollsters uh, don't blame us; blame the founding fathers." And the concept of they forgot about the Electoral College, they forgot that you have to, you know, break this down. It does. It does seem like there's a degree of bias, and at the end of the day. You know you basically add five points conservative and you might yeah. get something close
1: yeah it, it, it is and and, and there 's all these excuses and, and see here here 's part of the problem john that that comes with these bad polls. I believe that some of them become self-fulfilling prophecies, and this is why it's dangerous to democracy. I look, at it, let's say you're somebody who is a casual voter who believes the polls, and you you take a look at that garbage. What was it? The ABC Washington Post poll that showed Biden ahead yeah. by 17 points. So you look at that and you say, "Oh my God, he's ahead by 17 points." I, I'm not going to go out and vote, or it's over. I'm not. I'm not going to go work and make phone calls for my guy. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, and, and that's why. It's so shameful that they can't get it right.
2: It really is. And uh, I agree with you. It takes a, a will or a, uh, an excitement out of it for whoever your candidate is, if they ha- happen to be way in the lead or, or right. way behind And They're just they're so far wrong. And you're right. I don't know what they're doing—if it's cell phones or if it's the uh, the way they gather the information—but it's just not working.
1: No, it it's not. Now, thanks to now, now part of the problem is that, that pollsters try to do it on the cheap and they're they're lazy. And I, I, I don't. Eh, I, no, they're lazy. <laughs> and, and here here's why. And I've tried to explain this before. Part of the thing, first of all, you know, I don't know about you, but I mean, very few people have landlines anymore. And if my cell phone rings and it's a number that I don't that I don't know, I don't answer it. I mean, I I just don't because it's almost always some robocall or somebody trying to sell me something or somebody telling me that the IRS is getting ready to like raid my bank account. I just don't answer it. And I think most people are like that. So it's very very difficult to talk to people and to get people that are out there. In addition to that, the way polls are conducted is pollsters, there are people that actually make phone calls, and the pollsters, the people are paid by how many questions they ask in a given phone call. And I've explained this before, one of the hardest things to do is to try to find likely voters. And by that I mean, if you call up and you say, hey, are are you gonna vote in the next election? Almost everybody says yes. But we we know that lots of people don't do that. So the only way you can determine who a likely voter is, is you have to ask a bunch of questions. All right, who did you vote for in the last presidential election? Who did you vote for for governor in 2018? those types of things, and patterns start to emerge. If you find somebody like me who's voted in pretty much every election, every major election since Who's old enough to vote, well, you know, the chances are I'm pretty likely when I say that I'm going to vote. On the other hand, if somebody says, oh, I'm sure going to vote this time, but they haven't voted in 20 years, they are less likely. But to do that, you have to ask a bunch of questions, and that means it costs more. And so you have a lot of the media polls that don't want to spend the money, because at the end of the day, they don't care whether they're right or not. I mean, so so you come out with a poll that shows that Biden is ahead of Trump by 17 points in Wisconsin. A completely bogus poll. But it, it doesn't matter. You don't care if you're right or not. I mean, if you're right, that's great, but it doesn't make any difference because all you're trying to do is get that story. You know, you you, you want to get the clicks on your website. You want to get the story in the newspaper. So it, it doesn't matter. So you're wrong. Who, I mean, who, who cares about that? You don't, you know, dig deep. You don't do the reliable stuff. And you end up again with it, this kind of like junk science sort of things. And again, I, I think it it discourages um, people. Jeff, I basically have a couple of texts. Jeff, I basically am independent, but more recently have become more Republican leading. I used to answer the poll phone calls feeling it was a public service. I no longer do that because it has become constant intrusive. And did I say never ending? Thanks for taking my opinion. You're very, um, welcome. Um, Jeff, um, you know, and the left talks about voter suppression. What are polls to some people? Well, that's precisely it. it. It is it is voter suppression in many ways. Jeff, I think there's a Trump effect with the polling. It seems like polling was spot on for the 2018 midterm elections, eh, but the polling has been off for both Trump elections. Well, it, it's not, I, I think that Trump supporters tend to not want to participate in in polls. And I think the polls fail to pick up the loyalty and the dedication of the Trump supporters. But it, this has been going on since, since beyond 2016. Like I say, if you believe the polls, Ron Johnson would not have been elected to the U S Senate in 2010, and he would not have been reelected in 2016. So that's just a couple examples that I could um give you. Um, so, Jeff, I believe that over the years when the polls came out and said a candidate was ahead by so much, it turned people away from voting. Now I also know quite a few people who lie to the polls and never give them real answers. Well, yes. Jeff, about polls. Garbage sampling. Garbage in, garbage out. They only, the only poll that counts was yesterday. Yes, that's, um, True. Um So, you know, makes it very clear that it's out there. So, I mean, again, I, I'm willing to be convinced, but I will tell you, after looking at one bad poll after another, not just in Wisconsin, but all over the place, and even with the margins of error, I mean, they're either on the extremes or or they they miss it completely as well. I mean, some of these polls have margins of error of like four points, which when you think about it, that's a pretty wide spread. It could be four points one way or four points the other. So you got an eight point range and they still end up getting it wrong. That's like being on a golf course and the putting green and instead of having the hole, they put out a, wa- a golf hole that's the size of a, of a, I don't know, a laundry bucket and you still miss it. And, and that's what the pollsters have done. So again, I I understand they'll try to defend themselves. They'll try to say, well, you know, it's just a snapshot in time, but seriously, Biden ahead of Trump by 17 points, what, 10 days ago? And and people are arguing, whoa, that tells that's really where the race is. How dare you say it's junk science? Well, it's junk science, and yesterday's results, which appear to be a very narrow victory for Joe Biden, 20,000 votes, less than 1%, in Wisconsin, out of 3.2 million votes cast, well, I think that that demonstrates that all these polls that were predicting, oh, Biden is going to win in a walkover, what was the word for it? Oh, they were garbage.
3: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Lots more election stuff stuff coming up. Let me digress for just a moment. Yesterday was another record setting day, not in a good way. And I'm not, by the way, talking about the coronavirus pandemic. Here is the story yesterday in the city of Milwaukee. Two men died in separate shootings less than two miles apart. Milwaukee police first responded about 1.30 p.m. to a triple shooting in the 3200 block of North 27th Street in the Franklin Heights neighborhood where a 31-year-old man was killed. 1.30 in the afternoon, triple shooting, one dead. Um, let's see. Then, a couple hours later Police responded to a fatal shooting in the 2400 block of North 21st Street. 29-year-old man was killed. Shooting under investigation. All right. So, what, again, two people dead. You say, okay, Jeff, why is that news? Because unfortunately, in the mean streets of Milwaukee, in Tom Barrett's Milwaukee, with the out-of-control dumpster fire that is the Fire and Police Commission and low morale from the cops and crime running rampant, why, why are we spending time talking about two more homicides? Well, here's the deal. The shooting, the killings yesterday, the murders, these were the 164th and 165th homicides of the year, 165 homicides. Milwaukee has now tied its 1991 record of 165 homicides in one year, and it's November 3rd or November 4th now, I guess. November 4th, 165 homicides. You have to go back to 1991. Now, now, follow me on this. In 1991, I in another life, I was still in the United States Attorney's Office, and I was handling lots of the major narcotics and drug pro- narcotics and organized crime prosecutions in the state. One of the things that we saw was an explosion of homicides in the late 80s and early 90s in Milwaukee, and it was tied pretty much to street gangs and crack cocaine. That was about the time of the crack cocaine explosion, and what ended up happening is you'd have these various street gangs which would go to war with each other over, hey, we should be able to sling crack on this particular corner, get off get off that corner, and they'd end up shooting at each other and... A lot of times they'd end up shooting innocent people, but but that's about the time when when we first started seeing a hundred homicides and then it started to spike. I have to tell you. All honesty, I never thought that we would get to a point again where we would be looking at these kind of numbers because for years it 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 dropped down. And look, no no number of homicides. You you want to have zero homicides. The truth is that's not practical. But the fact that we are in November with, you know, the better part of two months left to go in the year and you're at 165 homicides is absolutely absolutely un Thinkable. Now, it's interesting because some people are trying to pass this off and saying, oh, it's, it's the effects of the coronavirus as a driving factor. Well, there, there may I guess maybe if we're trying to be charitable, maybe there's something to that as as an excuse for the point that, you know, people are on their last nerve and people are upset with being cooped up and people are frustrated and and people are angry. And and I guess there might be a little bit to that. But if you're trying to explain this incredible spike in violence on the mean streets of Milwaukee, simply saying, oh, we're in the middle of a pandemic, uh, it's just not going to wash. I mean, there's all sorts of other stuff that are going on. And unfortunately, what's happening now is you have... Uh, again, a completely and totally dysfunctional fire and police commission where you've got employees and you have got commissioners that are resigning because n- nobody knows what they're doing. And that's what they're sort of pretty much saying, you know, people that are on there, nobody knows exactly what they're doing. You, you have a leadership vacuum in the police department caused by the fire and police commission sacking one of the best police chiefs that Milwaukee has had in the last 30 years. You have morale at the Milwaukee Police Department, which I, I would say it has hit rock bottom. But every time I say that, I talk to more cops who say it's, it's even worse than rock bottom. I don't know what is below rock bottom, but once you figure that out, that's where it is. You have police officers, and then you have, because of budget cuts, you have the mayor who's saying, okay, well, we're going to get rid of or not fill another 120 police positions. At the same time, you've got homicides going through the roof, and you've got members of the community who have decided that in an era Where you've got 165 homicides and growing, where you've got shootings that are going on, where you've got all sorts of other actions of antisocial behavior. You've got people who've decided that they want to consider the police to be the enemy. You put all that together and it is a toxic stew for an urban community, pandemic or otherwise. And I'm telling you something, the people, the leadership in Milwaukee, starting with the mayor and then ranging to the Common Council, and many members of the Common Council, candidly, are more part of the problem than they are the solution. But they need to get together and they need to figure out what's going on here because, you know, it's just not, you cannot expect people to invest in a city you cannot expect people to live in a city if you, you've got people getting shot on the street corners at 1.30 in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Back with more in just a minute. And this is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Lots more election stuff coming up in the next hour of the program. Uh, the total vote in which the difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump in Wisconsin The margin of victory was about 20,000 votes. In the next segment, I'm gonna tell you how many people voted for someone other than Biden and Trump. And we're gonna raise the difficult question of whether those people had a chance to make a difference and really just threw their votes away. In addition, President Trump says he's gonna be demanding recounts. How much and how long do you want to see President Trump fight? Is there a certain point in time where you say, okay, we're gonna just kind of fade into the good night, or is this something that you would love to see a repeat of, say, Bush-Gore 2000, where we go on and on and on? We're going to discuss all that. In addition, Joe Biden says he's going to be giving a speech, at least some comments. That should be coming up in just a couple minutes. We'll bring you that as well. Stick around. Lots of stuff coming up on the program.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show.
1: And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eric Dilstead, help me do a public service because this happens every time that there is an election. and, and, And I understand for this whole election season, people are on their last nerves and mm-hmm. some people are very happy that their candidates won. E- even some people that should be thrilled that Biden have won, they're in a bad mood because of, of other stuff because they, uh Biden won but I, I wanted the Senate or I wanted you know, it, people are still in just a, a really crummy mood on, on either side. Sure. And of course if you're a Trump fan, you, you know, you're, you're disappointed if these numbers hold up and, and and again we'll talk about that in a little more detail. But there there is, I have had literally a dozen texts from people saying there's rampant fraud in Wisconsin. And the evidence is, and this is this is why I just, social media can be wonderful, but but you, you can hate it. All right, last, in this election, so far, there's over 3.2 million votes that were cast in Wisconsin. Now, I don't know if you've seen this, but I, people keep texting me. Somebody put out something on Facebook or Twitter or whatever saying there's fraud. Because in Wisconsin, there's, there's only 3,000, uh, I got the number here, there's only 3,129,000 um, 3, registered voters. So th- there were, if there were 3.2 million votes cast yesterday, that is evidence of fraud. Well, uh, a couple of things
4: there. The Wisconsin Election Commission says as of November 1st, there were 3.6
1: million active registered voters that that 3.1 million number comes from the 2018 midterms Mm -hmm. so you're comparing apples to oranges and
4: one other thing to point out if it were in fact more which would be unbelievable that'd be remarkable by the way you there is same day Day registration registration. which means that the number may not be the same
1: anyway in this case well well, right right because people could come in and and vote so that and that does happen as we know well exactly so i yes Look at the big brain on Eric. Yeah, absolutely. That that that's it. Because I'm hearing this over and over again, and I I'm just I'm you know if you see this out there in the internet, and look, there there might be all sorts of reasons why you you might have an issue with the result of an election or things in Wisconsin. That's not it. So put put that put that one aside. That that three point one million number that you see registered voters, that is from two years ago. That's an old number. The current number is 3.6 million mm-hmm. plus. Um So I just it, look, I, I say there might be all sorts of other things you can beef about, but put that one aside. That is not a valid concern. Correct. All right. I'm with you. You and I are together on that one. It's just like, OK, kind of move on with that. We will bring you Joe Biden when he uh when he speaks. All right. But I, I do want to use that as as a launching point to what I want to talk about with you next. Obviously. This was a very, very close election, and it, it's not necessarily over. Although, if you look at if you look at the numbers, it it appears daunting for for President Trump right now. Joe, you, the magic number you need to win is two hundred and seventy electoral votes. Right now, Joe Biden has two hundred and thirty eight electoral votes. Now that is assuming. That Arizona stays, stays as a, as a Biden pickup. Um, that's 11 electoral votes. Um, I, I know some people in the Republican camp think it was called too soon. Right now, um, President Trump is behind by about 90,000 votes with 84% of the vote counted. So let, let's assume for the sake of argument that, that you can't swing it, that that's too much to swing. So Biden has 238 what is the easiest and most likely way to 270 well nevada where president trump trails um and and the the, the forecasters have said that biden is going to win nevada but he's only behind trump is only behind by about 7500 votes out of with 67% cast so you got nevada so if if biden holds in nevada gets that six that takes him to 244 Wisconsin he's ahead by about 20,000 votes and there will be a recount but I'm here to tell you I've seen recounts before and you know recounts if you swing a thousand votes one way or the other that that's a lot that 20,000 votes that's in my opinion it's too much to be overcome by a recount so Wisconsin has has 10 electoral votes so 238 6 in Nevada 244 um 10 in Wisconsin 254, and then if Biden wins Michigan, and right now, at least the last time I checked, Biden is ahead by about 45,000 votes in Michigan with 96% of the votes cast. Michigan has 16 votes. You add that to 254, and, and you have your 270. That's it. It's Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, and then Michigan. And if that happens, it doesn't matter. What happens in Pennsylvania? It doesn't matter what happens in Georgia. It doesn't matter what happens in North Carolina. Biden gets 270, which is what you need. All right. So I I think the president's campaign has already signaled that they're going to ask for a recount in Wisconsin. Which is, again, perfectly, perfectly valid. It's within the margins. But like I say, I've been around for a long time and I've seen the recounts in Wisconsin and, and you're, you're not going to swing more than a thousand votes or so. That, that's in the best case scenario. And it could swing to Biden, it, not necessarily Trump. 20,000 as a practical matter is too much to overcome in, in a recount. Um, In addition, you have the president who's just apparently announced that they are going to file suit in Michigan to stop the ballot counting and and raise all sorts of challenges there. All right, our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How much do you want to see President Trump fight this? Do you want to see another Bush-Gore 2000? Is this the type of election where... Look, um, it, you know, it's one thing to make sure all the ballots are are counted and counted accurately. Is this, though, an area do you think it would be productive for the president and good for the country, where the president try to try to decide? Okay, I'm 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 going to try to fight these results, and I'm going to try to fight the results in Wisconsin. I'm going to try to fight the results in Michigan. I'm going to try to fight the results in North Carolina if I lose. I'm going to try to fight the results in Pennsylvania if I lose. What do you think about litigation? Is it time if it turns out when all the numbers come in and the numbers are recounted and they're certified and it appears that yes, Joe Biden has narrowly won enough states to get him to that 270? Do you want to see the president just kind of go quietly into the good night or should we hunker down, bring in the lawyers and let's fight this state by state? over the course of the next couple months. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How far do you think the president should take this if, again, things don't don't turn around with the numbers? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> I know some of you might not like to hear it, but as I look at the electoral map and you look at where the numbers stand, the President Trump ran a, a great race, has come very, very close, much closer than a lot of people thought, but it looks like it's going to come up a little short. How aggressive do you want to see the Trump campaign being as far as bringing in the lawyers, trying to stop the count in, in Michigan? Um, the recount in Wisconsin is going to happen, but I'm here to tell you it's it's a 20,000 vote swing that there's not no recount will switch 20,000 votes but how aggressive do you want to see the president be let's start with mike and madison mike you're in wtmj
4: yeah so there's two questions maybe you're raising how aggressive versus his right to go for a recount well, um, he certainly has I'm a right to go to a
1: recount think, yeah
4: yeah and, and i'm with you i think i think biden won and um i i personally am okay with that given that i like that the that we have uh, Republicans and democrats in the mix i listened to your earlier conversation agree with you completely on how that played out um i think though that he should still pursue it to some degree being subjective only because i, I really felt like the campaign from a media's perspective, and information was really repressed. I feel like a lot of Mm -hmm. information was not out there. And I think drawing attention to this, even though I I agree with you, I think it's not going to go as far as we would like to see it go. I think it keeps the conversation going. I think a lot of people simply need to not just question how this election and voting was done, but what the media did to really... I think, interfere with people's understanding of the truth, wherever they may be. I mean, I won't get into it, Biden versus Trump, but I really was disappointed with how things played out. And so I think Trump has a right to do it. And I do think he should consider it, if nothing more, to set, uh, I think, a little bit more precedence about what should have been important Mm -hmm. for voters to see going into this election
1: well Mike I think that's fair and, and by the way there's there's nothing wrong with asking for a recount you're, you're in Wisconsin for example if you're within one percent and that's what it's going to be you know you you're you're entitled to, to ask for a recount and you don't have to pay for it so th- that's all well and good and, and they'll they'll do it and that's fine and I'm gonna I'm just here to tell you that's not going to change anything materially I mean it, it it might alter stuff 500 votes one way or the other but it's not going to change who wins Wisconsin the only way you would do that is if you would decide, okay, we're going to launch into full-blown litigation and we're going to you know, challenge absentee ballots or we're going to, in Michigan, for whatever reason, we're going to try to stop the count or, or whatever, and, and essentially try to recreate a, a Bush-Gore scenario from 2000, which... I, I firmly believe it was very very bad for the, this country. Now, I mean, I would expect the president obviously to make sure that the votes are counted correctly. The question is going to be uh, become, you know, do do we want to see a death struggle over the course of the next you know month or two um, in in the courts, and is that good for the country? And, and ultimately. Does it give you a chance of of winning? At least in Bush Gore, you were fighting about Florida. And and I I, I think the Gore campaign should have. I think they should have folded up their tents a long time before they did, because I thought it was it was very, very unproductive and bad for the company country. But at least in that case, it, it was one state. Um, here it would seem to me that for the president to get where he's got to get, you'd, you'd probably be talking about litigation in a couple different states, uh, unless, like I say, if everything—if everything falls, if everything falls—in the best case scenario for President Trump right now, it would be that he wins Georgia, he wins North Carolina, he wins Pennsylvania. And if he loses Nevada, loses Arizona, loses Wisconsin, loses Michigan, uh, Biden gets to 270 votes, meaning if you could switch any of those states, you have a different dynamic. 855 616 And by the way, I want to make sure, I, I think both campaigns need to do everything they can to make sure that the ballots are accurately counted. Brandon in Waukesha. Brandon, you're on WTMJ.
5: Hi.
4: Um, I'd like to see Trump uh, pursue it as much as he can um, only if he has ballot points if he's only doing it because uh, he feels like he should have won and the votes aren't going his way i don't think that should be happening because that's basically it's being a of i don 't know if you want to call it a sore loser or whatever but uh, i I think he should pursue it as much as he can as long as he has ballot points
1: right right okay um, well and thanks to god I guess that 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 sort of becomes the question is is what is the you know, what are the valid points? It, it's one of the reasons why I, I will tell you, I said this before the election. One of the things that I was hoping is I was hoping that we would have a decisive winner one way or the other, because I just prolonged litigation, it, especially, look, given everything that else, else that is going on in, in this country right now between – coronavirus and economic problems and the social justice stuff and all these things um, to have. Maybe you could argue that, hey, you know, long drawn out court fights over who the next president is might take our minds off all the other stuff. I'm not sure that that's necessarily a good idea. And I would never advise the president to just you know fold your tent if you think you've got legitimate sort of beefs. At the same time, litigating for the sake of litigating to me, is not good for the country a- at all. And I, and I hope at some point in time, you know, that they're able to sit down and say, okay, what what's valid? Is is this really a legitimate concern as opposed to, all right, can we come up with some legal theory that we think that we might be able to advance to, you know, make sure that we stay in power? That, that I don't think is good for the country. Let's talk to Brian. Brian, you're on WTMJ.
5: Hi, right, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Brian. Um, so I a hundred percent agree with you. I wish in fact that when the, um, when these votes are within the margin of error, that it should just be an automatic recount sure. in my opinion. Um, and I, I, agree with that, that I think Trump should, should ask for one. I don't think he should have to though. I, when it's this important and erases this, uh, this tight, I, I think that you should always know for sure. And there shouldn't be a question. So I think within that 1% margin, there should just be an automatic sure. with that said, it's never swung that many you know no. that many votes to to do a re-election i don't believe it will but i think for the legitimacy of the vote i think you it should just be automatic that those things get Um, get recounted and just make sure it was done right. Okay, Brian, so let
1: me take it it to the next step. We do the recount and it comes back that, okay, Trump lost by 18,000 instead of 20,000. You know, pick a number like that. At that point in time, do you move to the next step? Do you say, okay, I want to try to come up with legal theories to, we've got all these absentee ballots and I want to start litigation to see if, you know, they were appropriately processed and things like that. How far do we carry it?
5: I I don't. And for two reasons number one trump did a lot of great things over the last three and a half years and i feel like this we're going to lose sight of a lot of the good things that have been done over the last couple of years because he is not the type to walk away and although i support him he's going to push this farther than i would like to see it so no i don't believe you that that that's where this needs to go and it's not going to do anybody any good to do so um and frankly though he he will he will. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to push this, and, and it's just the person that he is. But uh, yeah. with that said, it's, it's not going to do us any good. And frankly, I wish um, I wish that just for the you know for the for the sake of his presidency and everything that he's done well, it would be pretty remarkable for him to say, you know what, we've done a recount, didn't go my way. I mean, it's not going to. If we get a twenty five hundred vote swing, that would be impressive. Right. Um, so I wish that he would just say that. That's you know I concede, but yeah. I, I don't believe he will. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to cost a lot of taxpayer money so
1: oh thanks to so well or or cue the lawyers and i guess that that's my my only point i i would never okay this is my recovering lawyer hat on I mean I would never say to a potential client to a client look I I I want you to just roll I I want you to ignore what lawful requirements are and things like that at some point in time though and like I say I think Al Gore did a huge disservice for about a month and a half and then finally ultimately decided okay I'm not pushing this anymore but he went all, all the way up to the Supreme Court I don't think that was good for the country and I hope we can get to a point where if the numbers turn out and they look like they're legitimate and it Looks like President Trump doesn't have a way to 270 electoral votes. I, I hope in the interest of the country, he just says, okay, congratulations. We ran a great campaign. We outperformed expectations. The media tried to take us out, and, and darn it, I almost got past them. I I, I almost defeated them. Um, that, I think, would be good if we reached that point. Back with more in just a minute.
0: You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the iConnect Mortgage Talk and text line. Just sent out a uh, a, a tweet. A matter of fact, a lot of tweets over the course of the election results. But I I did want to once again address this this rumor that is out there. And again, I I I have no problem if you believe that there's real examples of fraud and you want to figure out ways to litigate it. But but people are crazy enough nowadays and they're just wrapped up enough in in their candidates. And whether it's, you know, support for President Trump or support for Joe Biden or support for Democrats or support for Republicans that, you know, sometimes we, we want to believe stuff that we hear, particularly. The Internet And the rumor that is going around now is that the Wisconsin election must have been riddled with fraud because over 3.2 million people voted yesterday, and yet there's only 3.1 million registered voters. So you've got more people voting than are actually registered voters. How could that be? Well, the, the problem is that 3.1 number, 3.1 million number comes from 2018 in 2020 this year there are actually 3.6 million plus people who are registered to vote 3.2 million voted so i, I just i put that out there there are all sorts there there might be all sorts of like valid legal challenges that are out there but th- th- this isn't one so don't don't circulate this rumor because you 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 just be wrong all right over the course of the last several weeks i have been speaking to you about the decision to vote for a third-party candidate. It's been my position all along that while it's your right to do whatever you want, voting for a third-party candidate is essentially just throwing your vote away. And people would call and they would say, no, no, I'm I'm going to do it because I I want to send a message. And my response was, nobody's going to be listening and nobody's going to care, and all you're doing is, is taking yourself out of the game well here's here's the numbers from Wisconsin. All right, Joe Biden. Joe Biden had about approximately well, he's got 1,630,396 votes. Donald Trump, one million six hundred nine thousand eight hundred and seventy nine votes. So uh, if these numbers are correct, Biden wins Wisconsin by about 21,000 votes, give or take a little bit. All right, 21,000. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Uh, the third-party candidate, what is it, John Jorgensen, got 38,400 votes um another candidate named Carol don't know who that is got 5252 votes and another candidate Blankenship got 5205 so adding the three and th- this isn't counting people who voted for Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck or Jeff Wagner this is people who you know just just voted for th- those three candidates it turns out to be oh about 49000 votes cast for third party candidates um, two of which got point zero zero point two percent of the vote, and Jorgensen, who got 1.2%. So, again, total 49,000 votes for third-party candidates, 49,000 votes. The margin of victory between Trump and Biden was, if these numbers hold up, 21,000 votes. So, in other words, if, let us say for the sake of argument, that instead of casting those votes as they did, that 49,000 people decided to vote for either Biden or Trump. And I don't know, um, uh, an overwhelming majority of them voted for Trump, just for the sake of argument. Donald Trump wins Wisconsin, not Joe Biden. But by voting for one of those candidates, other than one of the two major party candidates, what you essentially did was take yourself out of of the running. Um, by by that I mean when you're watching those election results last night, you you know your your candidate wasn't going to win, and it was apparent that your candidate was going to wasn't going to win. And for people who told me, well, I want to send a message to the major parties. Okay, today, what message have we sent to the major parties? Is anybody talking about, hey, you know, Joe Biden, you know, if you get elected president, you really need to change, you know, your policies to be responsive to the 38,000 people, you know, who who voted for Jorgensen or the 5,000 people who voted for Carroll. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In It's one thing, I guess, to make a statement – in elections that are going to be landslides one way or the other, but in an election that is going to be or was as close as this one turned out to be, and right now I'm just talking about Wisconsin, but you could talk about some of these other states as well. I mean, it really close. Out of 3.2 million votes, uh, you know, a 20,000 vote margin is absolutely nothing, and people who decided to vote for a third party candidate. Well, they they essentially didn't participate in the process. Yes, they casted a vote, but my point is they they wasted their their vote. Now, maybe you feel good about yourself for doing it, and you have the right to do it, but does it make any sense to do that? 855-616-1620, that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. I mean, why bother voting if you're, you're... you know that your vote is essentially not going to make any difference. 855-616-1620, that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. And in a race like this, maybe if there hadn't been third-party candidates, for all you know, maybe the result would have been different. Maybe the overwhelming majority of those votes would have gone to, to Donald Trump, and you would have had a different dynamic. All right, explain to me the third-party vote phenomena, and especially in a race like this, does it make any sense You know, for people who did this? Do you get it? We discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, if you want to really have your mind blown in in this election, you can perhaps make an argument, as long as we're talking about third-party voting, you can perhaps make an argument that in retrospect, this election, in Wisconsin at least, was decided in early September when... A judge upheld a decision by the state elections commission to keep Kanye West off the Wisconsin ballot. Remember, rapper Kanye West um, had wanted to run and and had filed a run for president. They turned in enough signatures. But the State Elections Commission said, no, we're we're not going to let him on the ballot because we determined that he, he narrowly missed a 5 p.m. filing deadline. A technicality. So the judge said, no, you can't be on there. And so as a result of that, Kanye West was kept off the ballot. Now, I raise this question. If you want to, again, go and start doing the what ifs uh, again we had we, we had forty nine thousand third party votes that were cast in in this race. Biden beats Trump by twenty one thousand. If Kanye West had been on the ballot. And again, I, I understand this. This blows people's minds. If Kanye West had been on the ballot, is it reasonable to assume that that he might have gotten more than twenty thousand votes? And that most of the people who would have voted for Kanye West would have been people who otherwise voted for Joe Biden. And I understand that there's a couple of of what ifs that are there. But my my guess would be Kanye West's presence on the ballot would definitely have siphoned more votes away from Biden than it did from from Trump. Would that have been twenty one thousand? Don't know. Don't don't know. But if if John Jorgensen pulled in thirty eight thousand, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. You know, when, when historians write the story of this election, it may be that the deciding factor, if Wisconsin is the state that puts Joe Biden into the White House, it may be this decision to keep Kanye West off the ballot that was made in September because they failed to miss the fi- make the filing deadline by a few minutes. Think about that. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. About 49,000 people voted for a third-party candidate yesterday in a race that was decided by 21,000 votes. Was that throwing away your vote? 855-616-1620. Let's start with Tim in Milwaukee. Tim, good afternoon.
5: Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Tim. Um, I'm a... Um, unapologetic Joe, Joe Jorgensen voter. Um, I am a single-issue voter. That issue is the Second Amendment, and I do not feel that either of the other two candidates spoke strongly enough about the Second Amendment, whereas Joe Jorgensen did.
1: Okay. What What do you think you... Would, would you agree with me that the candidate you voted for had absolutely no chance of winning? Yes. Okay. Then, what... Explain to me why you vote for somebody who ha even though you, you agree with their policy, you know they have no chance of winning wouldn 't it make more sense to vote for one of the other candidates who does have a chance of winning that is more closely to your most more closely aligned with your beliefs than than the other candidate for example I, I think Trump is probably better on the second amendment than Biden, that would be my guess. But why absolutely. not vote for Trump? So why 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 not vote for Trump when he might not be perfect, but it it might he he at least had a chance to win.
5: Um, this will sound pretty selfish, but no. at the end of the day, my conscience is more important to me than the greater good. Okay. And, and four years ago, I, I caught the same flack when I voted Libertarian, and all of the Clinton people said you're the reason she lost. Well, you know, I got big shoulders. Heap it on. But in the, at the end of the day, I can sleep with what I did.
1: OK, well, by the way, I'm not I'm I'm not abusing you. You get a right. You get the right to do what you want to do. I just wonder, I mean, as I'm watching these election results last night and I'm looking at this really, really close margin, I, I wonder how people feel who were part of that 50,000 vote in, in a race where your every vote really did matter in in this in, in a statistically close race like this, by voting for that third party candidate, you you make your conscience feel good, and that, that's all that's all well and good. But you essentially take yourself out of the game. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's talk to Steve in Illinois. Steve, you're on WTMJ.
6: Yeah. Hi, Jeff. Good afternoon. Nice sunny day. Thank <laughs> you
1: yeah, for taking my call. It is outstanding. Yeah. Uh,
6: all right. Very. Very simply, we're going to have a House of one party with a small, a small majority, a Senate of the other party with a different party majority, um, and whoever is president is going to confront that. You're going to have gridlock. So taken together, the people are apparently voting for limiting the government, and if you view it that way, it doesn't matter so much who you pick as president.
1: I'm sorry. Run that one by me again. I, hit, hit me with that again. Go ahead.
6: Very, it's very simple. Gridlock. Okay. There's more, there's, there's more to the government than the presidency.
1: Yeah. yeah.
6: Whoever is president is going to confront a divided Congress. Yeah. That means that less stuff gets done. Yeah. And that means that at the margin, an individual vote, such as the gentleman who just voted his conscience, is not that important.
1: Well, except that um, except if, if there were 20,000 of them that felt strongly that, say, in, in my example, that said Donald Trump felt strongly that Donald Trump was a superior alternative to Joe Biden. by, by voting for that third party candidate, what you do is you you allow the, the greater of what you would perceive of the two evils to end up getting elected.
6: Uh, that's not clear. Uh, mm-hmm. Because again, you've got to run it through the Congress, and uh, I really don't want to get into rank choice voting, which is really the can <laughs> of worms you'd want to open there.
1: Right? Yeah, which, which is thanks which, of course, is what they're they're doing in Maine. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. I mean, again, I I, I understand people say it's a, it's a matter of principle, and believe me, I, I understand that that principle is important. At the same time, as I always say, politics is is the art of the possible, and if you're Faced with a situation where you've got two candidates and, and you don't necessarily like either one, but you feel that one within that choice, one is superior to the other. I don't understand why you wouldn't make that that choice of the one that you feel is superior to the other one if you know that that you're. You, you're the person that you're thinking of voting for has absolutely no chance of winning. And and people say, OK, we, we want to send a message. And I'm always saying, well, who do you think wh- what message do you think you're sending? Do you think that Joe Biden today is sitting there, you know, figuring that he's going to be the president elect? And he's saying, OK, well, when, when I start governing, I got to worry about out of those three point two million People that voted in Wisconsin, I got to worry about those forty-eight thousand that voted for you know some of the third-party candidates. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Mike in West Bend, Mike, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hey Jeff, thanks for taking the call today. Hey Mike, what do you think? Unapologetic libertarian voter here. Um, it, for me, that that first caller today really uh, set the tone for for a lot of the things that I believe in as well. I, we look at it as. If you had a chance to hit your left big toe with a hammer or your right big toe with a hammer or to shake hands with your neighbor, which one would you rather do?
1: Well, okay. And
3: we believe that that both of the parties that are representing our nation right now are awful, awful humans career politicians, and just downright not standing for what we stand for.
1: Okay. So by by casting a vote for the Libertarian Party, 1.2% of the vote, what, what do you think you accomplish, if anything?
3: <laughs> I think much like the first guy said, we can sleep well at night, okay. and and our we're responsible to ourselves and our homes and our families. Okay, and we're self reliant, and and that's what we really are. Re-
1: okay, fair, fair for. enough. No, I, I think and, and again, you you know, every voter gets to, to make their choice. I guess I'm I'm trying to think about well, you you're, you're hitting your you, what's better, hitting your left toe with a hammer or your right toe with a hammer. My response would be okay. Well, how? I'm thinking to me, it's how big a hammer it is. I mean, on, on the one hand, if the choice is, here, I'm going to take a sledgehammer and whack my left toe. And on the other hand, I'm going to just take a, um, I don't know, take a, just a little stick and uh, tap my right toe. I, I think I'm going to choose to tap my right toe. That, I, that, that's just kind of how that I would look at it. But again, th- these, these are two of the interesting things as I, as I'm looking at the numbers and I'm a do the numbers guy. Um, f- almost, uh, almost 50,000 votes cast for third-party candidates in an election that was decided by 20,000 votes if those numbers hold. So that's one thing to just kind of think about. And again, I I do also throw it out, food for thought. Think about that Kanye West thing, because if if the the Democrats tried very, very hard and were successful in keeping Kanye West's name off the ballot because they – They were worried that this would be a close race, and they were worried that Kanye West would siphon votes away from Joe Biden. And I just kind of throw that out there, because if Joe Jorgensen, if she got um, 38,000 votes, is it reasonable to consider that Kanye West would have gotten 38,000 votes? And is it reasonable to think that maybe two-thirds of those votes would have been votes that otherwise would have gone to Biden? You start adding this all up, and you go... Boy, I I tell you, it's it may very well be that I think people can make an argument that, I mean, this election could have been decided, like I say, in early September when Kanye West was not allowed to be on the Wisconsin ballot because people do tend to vote third party. All right. Back with more. Just a couple minutes. Live
0: from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Sir, so Eric said, did you hear my Kanye West theory that I was talking about? Okay, what's that? I well, okay, well, here, here's, you know, after these elections, you know, everybody looks back and you always sit and you think about what ifs. I mean, mm-hmm. Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton, I'm sure, is still thinking, gee, what if I had traveled to Wisconsin a couple times in 2016? Would that have made the difference? Right, right. All right, so... 3.2 million votes cast. Um, about 49,000. Uh, so the, the margin of victory, if it uh, if it stands up, twenty about 21,000. Yep, we'll, yep. we'll round up. Okay, 21,000. 49,000 were cast for third-party candidates. Joe Jorgensen. So, she yeah, got the most. She sure, got yep, the most. Yep. Then a couple others got 5,000. Then there were some others. So... First of all, it's like the people that decided to vote for the third-party candidates, if they had voted for Trump, well, maybe it would have changed the dynamic. But here's the other story. Kanye West, the rapper, Mm -hmm. remember, he had enough signatures to get on the Wisconsin ballot, but they turned them in a few minutes late, and so uh, he was thrown off the ballot Mm -hmm. for that technical thing. Okay, Kanye West, put Kanye West on the Wisconsin ballot. Biden and Trump, the margin of victory is 21,000. Is it unreasonable to believe that Kanye West could have siphoned 21,000 votes off of away from Donald Trump? And my answer would be no, it, it's it's not. I mean, if you go into the world of what if? <laughs> no, I mean, if, if Joe Jorgensen well, gets 38,000, I mean, mm-hmm. could Kanye West have pulled 40,000 votes and could, you know, 10,000 of those come from. Uh, 30,000 of those 40,000 come from Biden as opposed to Trump. There could
4: could have been some of that, although I think there might have been some Republicans who would have voted for Kanye, too, believe it or
1: not. Right. No, no, I I do. But I mean, so I understand it's always that kind of what if. But I mean. But don't forget, the Green Party wasn't on the ballot either. uh So, you know, that's that's it. I mean, it's like the and again, the Kanye, they had enough signatures with Kanye West. It was just they didn't get the thing turned in by five o'clock. Now, I'm not making any predictions one way or the other, but as I'm looking and seeing, that's why in these close elections, Things like that matter. I'm willing to bet that in in early September, September I sent just I sent a tweet about this. In early September, n- nobody was thinking, okay, what w- what what difference does it make about Kanye West? I mean, you know, who who cares if he's on the ballot or not? Well, you look back here, on November fourth, and you say damn you know well, if, it, right. if he it, had been on the ballot maybe I'm, I'm you know I don't know but maybe it seems to
4: happen every election uh, what is this the fourth election out of the last six in Wisconsin that's been razor thin margin it's, oh. it's, it's every election well, every right, presidential it, election right, with the electors.
1: exception of the two the, the two Obama years mm-hmm. where it was was bigger yeah but that that's exactly right the, the two the, the Bush Gore was very close yep. all within one within a percentage point I believe Bush Kerry was within yep. a percentage point yep. uh, last Clinton, Clinton and and yep. this one, yeah, no, it, it's there. And I mean, I just you kind of go through those what ifs and stuff. And I'm thinking, nobody really thought I. It, it's why the Democrats fought so hard to keep Kanye West off the ballot because they were afraid he was going to steal votes for Biden, and they were going to. And it's I, when I say steal, I mean, I don't mean to legally steal. I mean, siphon <laughs> votes away. From, you got to be careful uh, with that nowadays. <laughs> siphon votes away from from him. It is entirely possible that Kanye West. If this comes down to Wisconsin being the difference maker, I think you can make an argument that the that Kanye West's lack of presence might have turned Joe Biden mm. into the next president of the United States. Maybe we'll never know. I it's, tell you that, interesting that, theory. that that is that is that is just something to sit down with your Jack Daniel's, you know, whiskey <laughs> and just kind of think about it at, at night, but it's it just it's it's the whole world of of what ifs. All right, I have a what if for you. And and that is for for much of this election season, I, I think many people have been saying that they want a return to normalcy. For the, the people that do not care for President Trump, it, it's been, oh, my God, we've got to get him out of office. He, he just doesn't represent the, the America that we know, and we don't want the chaos, and we don't want the disorder, and, and how anybody that supports him is obviously a, a, a racist and a misogynist, and he's responsible for dumbing down American culture, et cetera, et cetera. That's the one side. And the the other side are the people that, hey, you know, President Trump, you know, we this is what America needs. He stands up to our enemies. He, you know, says, he calls it like he sees it, he doesn't get pushed around by the people f- who just view places like, you know, the Midwest as being flyover country, etc. And, and, you know, and, and yes, we, we love it. Now, this election, if anybody was going to look at it and say, okay, we're hoping for a clear statement one way or the other, we're hoping that there is a blue wave that comes out and just completely shows that the country is standing up and renouncing Trumpism and renouncing all the Trump supporters. If you were looking for that, it didn't happen. It, it, it did not happen. You have another extremely razor-thin election which shows that we are divided. And similarly, you know, if you were on the other side, if you were one of the Trump supporters who was saying, look, I, my my guy is the greatest thing since canned beer, you've got all these, you know, wacko lefties out there who just do not understand what our values are, and we need to repudiate them, you didn't get that. We, we essentially, we're, we're pretty much, I think, uh, you could make an argument in the same position today that we were... I don't know, a couple of days ago. Now again, it looks like Joe Biden's going to be the president instead of Donald Trump, but we are very, very divided as a country with two very, very different world views. It, it would seem to me. And for people who were hoping that there was going to be this blue wave and just, uh, we're, we're going to denounce all these Republicans and everybody who supports with Donald Trump is going to get ridden out of town on a rail didn't happen didn't happen. And by the same token, everybody who thought who thought that, okay, this is going to be a vindication and we're, we're standing up to the people who, at least in our opinion, you know, want to see the cities burned down and all that, that, that didn't happen either. We're arguably, admittedly, it's it's going to be Joe Biden if these numbers hold up in the White House instead of Donald Trump. But otherwise, We're just as divided a country, I would argue, today as we were yesterday, as we were a week ago. All right. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the acunate mortgage talk and text line. Is America ready to return? Are we going to be returning to, and I'm putting this in quotation marks, normalcy? Or are we going to be looking at another at least two years or four years uh, of just one country versus another country, and effectively, you know, civil wars. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. Or are these these civil wars? Or are are these essentially? Is, is this the new normal? I'm looking at a, a map, an electoral map, and you've got. Joe Biden, who carried the, the whole West Coast and Colorado and New Mexico and Arizona and Nevada, if that holds, and California, Oregon, Washington, and then the Northeast, and then just a couple in the center of the state, the country, and then, you know, President Trump, who carried the, the rest of the rest of the country. Uh, do you want us to get back to normal, or is, is just normal going to be the two Americas? Is that going to be how we continue? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. we discuss Welcome
0: back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it possible that we can have a return to normalcy if, if Joe Biden is elected president? Or if you look at these numbers, it's very, very clear. It's a close election. We remain a very, very divided country. And I'm not sure texts like this help. Jeff, we can only return to normalcy if Trump is in jail for tax fraud, bank fraud, etc. However, if he's running a TV network, we're screwed. Four years of division and temper tantrums. Well, if that's going to be the lesson that we're going to. All right. The only way we can get to normalcy is if we if we lock him up. Well, good, good luck with that. Do you want to talk about being even more divisive? Um, Jeff, it will be a civil war if the squad and the radical left asserts themselves into the Biden administration in a visible and aggressive way. That is why I have been saying for the last week or two, if Joe Biden was going to win, the best thing that could happen to the country and happen to the Biden administration was the Republicans retaining control of the U.S. Senate, which appears is going to happen because that's going to check that that's going to serve as a a check on the 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 radicals in the Democratic Party who would be trying to push Joe Biden to go way, way, way far to the left. Well, it, it, that's just flat out not going to happen if the Republicans control him. And, and by the way, if Biden were to be looking to be a successful president, I think that's the best way, the, the last thing he wants to do is allow his administration to be co-opted by the, the far left. That to me is a recipe for electoral disaster. And having Mitch McConnell there serves as a, as a check on that. Jeff, um, we will remain divided. We don't have what I like to call kitchen table conversations anymore. You get up and respect each other and the conversation. You know, that is all, that's one of the interesting stories that, that you always told about President Reagan. Um, Tip O'Neill was the the leader of the House of Representatives. That, that's he was the equivalent of of um, you know Nancy Pelosi back then. And O'Neill and Reagan used to go after each other, hammer and tong. But at the end of the day, they'd sit down, they'd have a beer together. Let's talk to um, Kristen in Milwaukee. Kristen, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Kristen. What do you think?
5: Um, I think that um, you're right in that the nation is divided and is demonstrating that in this election. And as far as a quote unquote return, return to normalcy, um, I think that is normal. I Mm -hmm. think that it's not just normal over the last four years. I think that that is normal for decades. if not centuries.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a text that makes that same point, Jeff, this is our new normal that we have two groups in this country have completely different visions for America. And those visions are not compatible with each other. So your, your point is this, this, the, the, the chaos <laughs> and and the con- arguments and the fighting that's that's just that's going to be just get used to it it's it's going to be like this for the for the foreseeable future huh
5: I think so unfortunately and I have a real radical question but I'm seriously curious about it I, I would really love to have a, a, a real conversation about if in fact this is the case and we are very polarized and extremely opposite of each other. Could it not make sense to just have two different countries?
1: <laughs> kind of, kind of like, like, like take the <laughs> take the West Coast and the East Coast, um, and, and the Northeast, and, and put them together, yeah, right? I and then, that
2: was the best strategy. Then well, come up with ways to make it happen.
1: Yeah, they, they, well, I'm see, I'm not sure about that. That's that's sort of like saying, okay, in Wisconsin, should should we take Madison and and Dane County, and should we turn them into their their own state, and then the rest of Wisconsin becomes another state because there's two different things. I, I, yeah. Uh, let's see, Jeff. In due time, Biden will eliminate the divide and racial tension. I strongly believe that. Hmm. I, I don't know. That that's a really interesting thing to see. Okay, so the next time in an urban area, all right, let let's flash forward to March, and the next time, and there will be a next time in an urban area, you have a situation where you have a person of color who is shot and killed by a police officer. Regardless of the circumstances, is is there going to be less anger and less let's 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 race to the streets and let's like break windows and let's burn down buildings? Is there going to be less desire to do that if this happens in March and Joe Biden is the president as opposed to President Trump? I I don't know. I I mean, I I don't know. My my instinct says probably not. But again, you know, maybe maybe that's how it's going to play out. Let's talk to Scott and Racine. Scott, you're on WTMJ.
4: Hey, thanks. I really enjoyed the show. Thank you. Um, My point is, you know, a lot of critics of the president are going to say, look, he's the man responsible for steering this ship of state directly into the iceberg. But really, is he the symptom or the cause? Like, if he's the symptom, then that means that there are millions of Americans with pain points and points of view that are putting him in the office Mm -hmm. in the first place. Mm -hmm. Like, we can look at the president and say, all we want about his distractions and how he's calling attention to himself, but what what are people in Racine County and and across the uh, state like? Why are they putting him in office? And we should really be looking at mm-hmm. what they have to say rather than what the president is saying right now. So those, well, no, what right, does that matter?
1: No, I think you, know, I think that's very interesting when you talk about symptom or cause. Obviously, and, and you see that with the passion that, that people feel for President Trump and, and and like win or lose, he he he. You know, he, there's a lot of support out there. I mean, this was not some sort of blowout. This was not some, you know, overt denunciation of him. You know, uh, in in his his strongholds. I mean, he ran a very strong competitive race, and if things would have broken a little differently, he he could have he could have and would have been reelected. Now, I don't think it happened that way, but you're right. There, there's obviously a lot of people that, um, just just love him, and you know, the the people that show up at the rallies, and it's the people who turned out to to vote and. And, you know, they're, they're not going to see the other side. And of course, the flip side is people who look at Donald Trump and see that he's the Antichrist. And let's, like my textures, let's put him in jail. You know, we're not, unless he's locked up, we're not going to, you know, ever be able to have any peace. I, you know, I just, I, maybe this is the new normal that people are going to be at each other's throats for the next few years. Or maybe we've been at each other's throats for the last several years. Hey, thanks for the call, Scott. I appreciate the perspective. Um, let's see. Um, Uh, how about, um, uh, Jeff, I expect a civil war. I think if Biden gets elected, we will become a socialist country, not a democratic country. So kiss democracy. Goodbye. All right. At the risk of, again, getting these texts telling me to go work for MSNBC, I don't think that's Joe Biden. I I mean, I, if, if we were talking about Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, I, I would say, yeah, I get that. But I, I think at its heart, Joe biden is is an old style Paul with uh, who's essentially a center left guy. One of the reasons, and I know I'm repeating myself, but I just I, I think Joe Biden is very, very lucky that it appears that the Republicans are going to retain control of the Senate because this will. There will be a huge effort by younger, newer members of the Democrat Party who wanna take who want to push for socialized medicine and who want to push for the Green New Deal and all that type of stuff. And and to the extent that Biden does and Biden or are packing the Supreme Court. Okay, if the Republicans retain control of the Senate, that's not gonna happen. You know, you need the Senate to sign off on that. That's flat out not going to happen. That's off the table. And I, I think in many respects that That makes it easier for Biden not to have to stand up to a a tsunami of young leftists or old leftists, in the case of like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, who want to take the country really, really far to the left. So I for people who say, "Okay, the country is going to become a socialist country. I I just I, I don't see that. Bernie Sanders gets elected and the Democrats take control of the U.S. Senate along with the House. All right. Maybe we have a different conversation. This is Jeff Wagner.